What's up, fam? It's your favorite certified transformational nutrition coach, David Wazicki, and this is Man to Man, a wellness series where we chop it up with other brothers to get their insight to go from hellness to wellness. And I'm so excited today because we got a brother who is, drumroll, a diagnosed self-aware narcissist. Yeah, let's take a moment. (laughs) Oh, we're going to dig into all of that, but he's also an author. He's a coach. He's a podcast host of Baldy and the Beast, father, husband, and he's got a dope journal that we're going to talk about too. Let's give it up for the one, the only Lee Hammock. What's up, brother? Oh, what's going on, man? Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate that. That, That's a solid intro. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) And I'm glad, glad I held up to high standards. So I got all the things to ask you, but before we jump into it, we got something here called the man-to-man blue check certification. We ask you one question. No man has yet to give us the same answer twice, so no pressure there. Um, You ready for the question? Yeah, you hit me. (laughs) All right, Lee. What does masculinity mean to you? So when I think of masculinity, I think of just just men in general, just like strength and, you know, strength bravado, just, you know, just being, you know, just a, a caretaker and things of that nature right there. You know, I think masculinity is not only being, you know, physically available and like a provider in phys- like physical nature, but also in mental and emotional, you know, you got to be there for your people mentally and emotionally as well. Like emotional masculinity exists as well in this thing. You can't just be big, physical, strong person and be mentally and emotionally weak, you know? So I think masculinity is, you know, just being, I don't know. I just think of men when I think of masculinity. I don't know. It's just, <laughs> that's, that's the good thing though. That's what I'm talking That's why I'm, I, I try to do more research on that. Cause I feel like the definition of masculinity, even in my own self, my own perspective has kind of altered over the last few years when you see, you know, a lot of new stuff popping up and you're like, uh, that, that, this makes, this makes me feel, you know, with, you know, like per se, like men painting their nails or wearing dresses and things like that. It's just like, what, you know, is this still masculinity in it, how I was raised in it? Because I'm, I'm 37 years old, and it's like they, times have definitely changed since, you know, 1985 to right now. So it's just things that were presented as masculine back then are different now, you know? So I just feel like, you know, it's, it's ever-evolving as the times go. Absolutely. Um, so certified on that. I, <laughs> you you pass. Um and, and I love that you did mention being emotionally available and emotionally available to your people. Cause I feel like that's, you know, the perfect segue, you know, to to dig into your story and for you to become emotionally available. And that is something where when it comes to narcissism, you don't hear that. You don't, you know, the one of the big things is lack of empathy, right? So the fact that you're even saying within your definition uh, that you have to be emotionally available, what made you become emotionally available? Like, at what moment did you say, oh, wait a minute, maybe there is something here that I need to look into? So I've always kind of felt, like I said, I'm 37 years old now, but since the time, so it's about 30 years ago. So I was seven, eight, nine years old. I can always remember just kind of feeling out of place emotionally, just feeling different. Like my own emotions 
didn't click like everybody else is around me. I just I just didn't feel like I fit in. You know, I looked the same as everybody else, you know, just growing in the same neighborhood and stuff like that. But emotionally, it just I didn't feel like I fit in with everybody else. You know, as I got older, it started transitioning into like I would see people something as simple as people holding hands. And I was just like, what makes you care about this person so much that you want to, you know, hold their hand in public or put your arm around them? I just like it just I so I became just studying people and things like that. So and as I, as I kept getting older, as I kept growing, and I started getting into relationships relationships of my own, they will all end the same way. I would just, one day I would wake up, and it's kind of like the light switch will go off in the relationship. I would just look at the person differently. I'm like, who are you? Like, what what, what am I doing here? Could I be doing better? I would start asking myself these questions internally. And yeah. of course, it's the other person's fault. You know, just like you, something about you has changed to make me feel this right. way. It, it, has, it has to be you, you know? It has to be something about you that has changed and transitioned to make me feel this way about you. So I would automatically start to blame the other person for how I felt about him. And all my relationships ended the same. All of them kept ending the same way. So when I got married, like I said, I got married, uh, had my uh, my second son. Um, and then me and my wife got into a huge argument one day. And then she, you know, I she kind of left. I kicked her off. This 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 kind of muddled right there. Um, but she did leave. And on the way out the door, she called me a narcissist, you know. And of mm. course, I was, I was like, no. You're a narcissist. This is 2017, so I didn't know what it was. I just thought narcissists sure, were sure. cocky, cocky, conceited people, you know. So when she left, I got inquisitive and I looked it up online. I just typed it into Google. I'm like, why did she call? Why did she call me this? You know, of all the insults out there, she. This is very specific. So I got on Google and I typed the word narcissist in, and then the personality disorder came up. It's like, did you mean narcissistic personality disorder? If so, here's the traits. And, and I looked at it. I was like, dang, you know reading these traits it this sound like me if it, it, it fits me you know because i like i said I, I always been feeling different since i was younger so this this list of stuff right here it made me feel like oh like this is why do i have a personality disorder you know so from that point forward i ended up kind of going to therapy off based off of that and been in therapy ever since then since 2017 just working on you know opening being more open to experiencing emotions being more vulnerable you know not necessarily being more emotional, like you won't you won't catch me crying and stuff like that a whole bunch, but I feel that I can feel that you know I'm open I'm more open to doing that and not feeling ashamed than I would have been when I was 15 years old, 25 years old, maybe even 30 years old. You know, I just feel like I've been therapy has helped me become more emotionally available, not only in my marriage but also just overall in my life as well. And I feel like wow. that's why we got here so far. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Okay, so a, a couple of things that you brought up because one, I'm I'm glad you pointed out this is a personality disorder. This doesn't just narcissism and being a narcissist doesn't just mean you're arrogant and cocky, conceited, self-absorbed. That's just being arrogant, conceited, cocky, self-absorbed. This is an actual disorder. This has traits. This is something that's in. Um, you know, professionally in the DSM five, which is like the Bible of disorders, so it's there, <laughs> and um, and it's there in a in a in a uh, uh, a number of shades. One thing that comes up uh, because I I within my own coaching, I I focus in on mental wellness, so this is personality disorders do come up. One thing that does come up, you mentioned since like you were young, like seven, eight, nine years old. In going to therapy, 
has anything come up in saying either that was the moment or like that was the, you know, either traumatic experience or those were the things that may have just set you on this path? So I think there's is, is a really a culmination of stuff. So I've been in therapy for a while and very recently, probably about what six months ago, I would say we started kind of doing inner child work to kind of to kind of get to the bottom of what might have happened, you know, yeah, to what, yeah. whether like it's just, you know, from trauma or is it could it be a genetic component to it as well to my to the traits and stuff that I have. Because my, you know, my grandfather did, you know, at the age of 27, when he had three kids, he did wake up on. A Monday Monday morning at five thirty and go in the bathroom and choose seven head, you know. And wow. my grand wow. my, my my father, who was seven or eight years old, who's who was seven or eight years old at the time, was one of the people who found him. He had three kids. So wow. they found him. So they're probably going to school. They go instead of going to school, get him going to brush your teeth, your daddy in the bathroom with his head blown off, you know, because he and my therapist is just like, yo, maybe it's a genetic component for some of the traits and stuff like that, because your grandfather, you know, this is in the what, seventies, you know early 70s so he could have had undiagnosed schizophrenia so there could be a genetic component to some of the traits and things of that nature right there but as far as the the, the pinnacle moment in my childhood i just don't like i said that's that's the thing right there i think we did inner child work where you kind of close your eyes and kind of go back to your earliest memories and kind of break them down piece by piece and in my early in my earliest childhood memory is just me riding a bike around my house you know i was like seven eight nine years old whatever riding a bike around my house smiling and happy and i had that memory that's one of my earliest memories. I don't have any mem- pretty much any memories before that. You know, I had sporadic hmm. memories. Um, seven, eight, nine years old, riding a bike around the house, and I know that memory. I've had it, you know, for thirty years. I, I always I can tell you who's there, what I'm wearing. I, I know all that stuff, you know. But she's like, okay, that's a good memory. That's a good memory. And she was just like, you know, zoom out of it, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm like, yeah, zoom, yeah. zoom out like a drone. Uh, <laughs> a drone. Yeah, so. But somehow I did it, you know, and I took a step back in my memory so I can see more. Like, it's kind of like my memory yeah. opened up a little bit so I can see stuff that I hadn't even recognized before. But in a corner of my memory, I'm seven or eight years old. In a corner of my memory is the adult version of me, you know, standing in the corner of my memory now. And she's like, what do you see? I was like, me. Like, as I, as you, as I sit here, I'm in my memory. Yeah. I'm in my childhood memory. I'm standing in front of something. She's like, get off the bike and go talk to you. Go, go towards yourself. And the closer I got, the closer young version of me got to the adult version of me, the angrier that I got in real life. I was I was literally having a a, a physical reaction in real life. Mm-hmm. I was getting goosebumps and I was sweating. She's like, "You okay?" I'm like, "No, I just I was just feel myself getting angrier and angrier." And she's like, "Why?" I'm like, "I don't know." Like the closer the younger version of me gets to the 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 grown version of me, the angrier I become. It's like I'm standing in front of something, you know, whatever the older version of me is standing in front of. And she was like, it's, it's just blackness behind the older version of me. So that's probably like childhood trauma. Like this, the narcissistic part of me was created to kind of guard against the childhood trauma or the not, you know, sort of trauma block. So something happened. I just don't know what it is, you know. So there's a while having that memory. I was like, oh, you know, scary. When I tell that story online, people are like, oh, that's the demon. That's the devil right there behind. I'm like, oh. <laughs> No. Okay. Yeah. No, thank you for sharing that. And I, I I mean it's powerful. And it's powerful, you know, I'm hearing that more and more that, you know, there is more of this inner child work that's happening to be able to discover it because again, 
just from what I've researched and looked into, it usually anywhere from the age you're mentioning, even into your, I think it's like your early 20s, like that's the time where a personality disorder, but narcissism in particular can creep up. So yeah, I was intrigued. And you know, I'm now I'm intrigued as you go on this journey uh, of, of what you're hopefully one day will, you know, find out maybe you land upon that thing or, or not. Um, yeah. But it sounds but like, goal, yeah, that's the goal to get to that point right there though. Cause like you, you want to hope to get to that point. I think a lot of people who go to therapy, or a lot of people who avoid going to therapy don't want to do that work because that's, that's a record. That's kind of a prerequisite. You have to be willing to go back and dig deeper into that past and, you know, might uncover some stuff you might make you feel worried about your, your current your your future I mean your your present you know so a lot of this stuff absolutely. does happen absolutely and so the second thing you brought up and the the thing you continue to bring up is therapy now <sighs> there are very few that I'm aware of uh narcissists that go to therapy part 1 part 2 that go to therapy and stay in therapy and it's not performative therapy on their part where, you know, they figure out a way to make this again, all about them. And it's just a nice little song and dance and it's a show and it's, Oh yeah, I went to therapy. See, nothing's wrong with me, but you stuck, you stuck with it. You're in it. You're doing the work. You're doing the real work. But I have to ask, where where did you say I am going to therapy? Because that's you know it's 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 a very small percentage of of, of folks you know that are nar- narcissists that will actually go into therapy and do the real work. Um. So when I when I was looking it up online back when I first discovered it, they was like, you know, there's no pill or anything you can take, you know. And I already, I, you know, I'm 32 years old at this time. So I already been doing a lot of personal development. I read a lot of books. I did a lot of Tony Robbins. So I was, I was, I was already working on myself. You know, I was already doing that, but it still wasn't enough. So I was just like, I'm already doing that stuff. So I've been doing, I've been reading these books for, you know, 10 years now. And I'm still feeling like this. I've been doing this work. I've been going to these workshops. I've been doing these online courses for a long time, you know, and I'm still feeling this way. So why not try therapy? I'm already doing the personal development. I think, I think Tony Robbins, you know, Eric Thomas, all you know, Les Brown, all yeah, those, yeah. Are, yeah, it's personal development, but it's for for it's on a grand grand scale, you know. So I just feel like therapy is personal development catered towards me. So I just feel like that's why I allow it. It's got it's still the same type of stuff, but it's catered towards me, broken down for me. You know, Tony Robbins hasn't written a course for Lee Hammett. He's written it for right people who follow Tony Robbins. You know, so I'm just like my therapist writes stuff specifically for me. You know. Now, I still feel like part two, what you just said about how some how some of them go to therapy just for themselves. And that's so I I would consider I would say I still do that, though, because I feel like on my journey, the, the the therapy has to be about me. It has to be. I kind of have to be selfish in my healing right there because I can't put that on anybody. else. I can't go to therapy for my wife and she still leaves. So would I still go, you know, I can't put that on her. So the commitment has to come internally from me to keep going because like even if she still leaves like she can come here right now and just like hey, i'm leaving i would be upset i would get it would get on my nerves but i would still go to therapy this month you know i still go to therapy on the 24th i, I still show up because it's not about her it's still even if she does leave i still got work to do you know so it's still about me right there I, i'm kind of you know 
I'm more, I would say I'm more selfish in my healing. And I feel like that's how kind of how I have to be. I can't just like, I'm going to therapy for my kids. And then my kids get on my nerves. I'm like, you know what? <laughs> I ain't going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> they don't listen to me anyway. That's why I should go. Yeah. So it has to, I feel like it has to be about me, you know, on this journey of personal development. Cause I, you know, I can go into therapy and talk about my relationship with my mom or my dad or whatever, you know, or with my wife or my siblings or whoever. But I still, at the end of the day, it's my relationship with them, not theirs with me. You know, so I still have to, it's like, it's, it is selfish from that perspective. Not necessarily a bad type of selfish, but I go in there just like, you know what? I'm here because my wife is, she just does not shut up. She just keeps telling me, she called me a narcissist. I just come here to prove her wrong. You know, that wouldn't, you know, that's, that's absolutely performative. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that happens a lot. And then that's why, you know, I'm, I'm thinking even when you took the step, so now even going back further, when you took the step for self-development, and and looking for that, like, what was there a was was there a rock bottom moment that just flipped the switch or or turned or turned the light on and said, "Oh, wait a minute, I, you know, I, I'm just I, I'm I'm trying to I, I guess get to this point that I don't see you. You are a unicorn yeah. of sorts in my yeah. eyes because." No, just, so, so for me, you know, like the, the whole aspect of rock bottom that existed yeah. with me, but it's more than one thing. I think when, when people think rock bottom, they think of one one cumulative fall, like you fall and boom, it's one rock bottom. I feel like my rock bottom was I was at a financial low, a physical low. I was way overweight, you know, an educational low, uh, the relationship intimacy low. Like every, there were so many rock bottoms at the same time. It's just like I thought I thought I hit rock bottom by, with my finances. But the ground would fall off of underneath me, and I would hit another rock bottom with my relationship. And I hit another rock bottom. So I just feel like there was a multiple. It was, it's kind of like the perfect storm of rock bottom at the same time. It all kind of caved in at once, you know. Like no matter which which tunnel I decided to go down, I was it, it was just drop off. There was no there was no bridges anywhere. So any direction I decided to go, like I'm gonna go, let me go this financial route. Maybe I can work on my finances. I'll be better. Rock yeah. bottom. Yeah, you know, my let me, let me go do personal development. Let me go listen to some some uh, Eric Thomas get my mind right. Rock bottom there, you know. It was just a whole. It was a, a, a accumulation of rock bottom. It wasn't just one one. It ended up looking like one moment because do I tell the story? But it's all a build up over the past you know thirty some odd years. It was, a, it was a build up to get to this point right here. Like I was nowhere where I needed to be at, and then also when my wife left, there was nobody else in the house literally around left to blame other than me. So it was all on me at that moment. So who can I blame? You know, my, my dog was running around, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like literally nobody else was there. So it was just like me. I had, I ran out of four fingers to point at other people and all of them were just pointed at me like this, you know, it's just a weird way. There you <laughs> go. Yeah. Yeah. It's a weird, <laughs> weird point, but it's like, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and so, you know, I have to ask now, you know, as I, as I know, you you have your your little one present. How has the fina- uh, family dynamic shifted for you since the diagnosis? The way my my family dynamic has it's gotten better because like I feel like my older son was eight, my other son was you know six, and she wasn't born yet. So I feel like my older son he was you know super you know super timid, super scary, or whatever. And then even through my therapy journey, my my youngest son. He was doing the same type of stuff. He wouldn't like he'd be dancing and acting a fool in front of his mama, but he would stop stop when I came into the room. It's like show your daddy. He'd be all shy. I was like, uh, 
And therapist like, yeah, they probably scared. My therapist, my therapist be talking junk. I'm telling you, that's what I like. It's like they scared of you. Why wouldn't they be? You know. Mm-hmm. So I had to work on getting working on that dynamic right there to make them less afraid of me. So to make them feel like they can, they can speak and be heard. You know, they can talk, express their emotions, and not you know not necessarily be put down. Not it just doesn't go for the kids. It goes for my wife as well. Because like we used to have conversations. Like very recently, uh, last year, something like 2022, I was like. Like this computer is a computer right behind me, like a iMac, and she uses mm-hmm. it for her stuff. And I had to get on it, and I was going through it. And there was like a list of recordings from me, literally recordings of me on there talking trash, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> it wasn't a good folder to find, but it just revealed that I was, you know, I would say some horrible stuff. Mm-hmm. I could have deleted it. I just left it up. Or I was just like, oh, if I delete it, it'd be disingenuous. You see what I'm saying? If I yeah. delete it, it's just be it, the same person. Would be deleting the files. Who the same person deleting the files would be the same person who said it. And I feel like I'm a different person now, based on that. So I'm just like, yeah, that's if she ever wanted to expose that to, that type of stuff, she could, you know. But would it make me look bad, or would it, would, would it make me look more authentic? Like, well, he said he was doing it, so there you go. Here's the proof, you know. <laughs> so yeah. I feel like my family dynamics has gotten better because I I feel like I'm more apt to receiving than just dishing out, you know. Because I would just dish yeah, out yeah. my feelings. Way I felt, I'm seeking validation, whereas I wasn't open to other people voicing how they felt. So right now, I feel like the dynamic has changed up a whole lot. And I just feel like that allows for a healthier environment to, for to have kids, in, you know, to have kids and have a family and whatnot. So I just feel like that's the main thing I feel like has changed over the last you know few years. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Do you uh, do you find yourself? I mean, you've been going to therapy for six years. You've been doing the real work. However, are there moments where you where you find yourself checking yourself on the daily of like, you know, I know this is this is part of that narcissistic personality versus I'm growing and I know better versus like, do you have these these back and forths in, in in your in your mind and in your approach daily, whether it's with your children or people in general or your wife, I, I would say it, it's a daily 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 battle. Before even before I got diagnosed, I feel like I was in a daily battle anyway because I, I went back. You know, Facebook allows you to write like an old post, like it's like in your description, your bio on Facebook. I had made a bio post like 10, 12 years ago. It said uh, every day I wake up and battle my demons. Some days they win, sometimes I do. And it was just like, man, I, I wrote that. Who wrote that? You know, I wrote it. So it, it's been day, it's been a daily battle. So it, it is still the, the battle extends until today, like into today. Because I feel like the, the main thing I've had to do over the last few years is kind of learn how to slow myself down. Because I feel like when I'm moving too fast in life, too I'm I'm too fast to respond to people, as opposed I'm. When I'm when I'm responding too fast, that's a reaction. So I'm not letting people finish their sentences. You know, I'm jumping on what they say. I'm taking the, I'm taking it as a personal attack because all the information hasn't been provided to me. But now is like the way it's gotten to now. It's just like I I slow down. Even if I don't like what they're saying, I, I allow them to finish what they're saying to make sure I don't misinterpret it. To make sure my response is within lines and whatnot. So I do. It's, it's still an everyday type of thing because my wife will say something and I'll be like. How should I check that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my son would say something a little smart, a little at Mark. I was like, what do he mean by that? You know, I had to I literally have to slow myself down 
in that aspect of things just to make sure I'm I'm receiving the information correctly. Like it, it's coming, the input and it's coming in being processed and then going out as opposed to it just like, <laughs> you know, there's no buffer. There's no filter. It's just like just in and out. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. I mean, I feel like everybody should process that way <laughs> to begin with. I, I think life would be a lot smoother <laughs> and uh, a lot less, uh, um, uh, challenges, but between one another. Um, one thing I forgot to ask, just on the fi- family dynamic, before we, uh, before I'd like to move on to something else. For me, the glaring thing is, how did you get your wife to come back after she she left? So she left. She, so she left a couple of times. I think the first time she left was 2017. She left. She had left in like. I think it's around. It's like not a thing, but it's about the same time every year. Uh, it, every time she left, it's been around the same time. It's like February, March, April that time, that time period right there. So she had left in like February of 2017, but she ended up coming back like a couple weeks later, a couple of days later. It wasn't even that long that she was gone. But then that year, I got into therapy in October, so it's still a little while after she came back. Because the first time therapy wasn't even involved to get her to come back, it was just me talking about it, you know. But then the most recent time she left was back in March of 2020. I had already been in therapy for two and a half years. So I tell people, I was just like, I had already been in therapy for a while and she still left. You know what I mean? So I still had to, you know, put the work in. You know, when she left the last time, I was just like, you know what? Dang it. I told my therapist, I had missed a couple of months of therapy because the pandemic had started and stuff like that. So when I finally got back into therapy, I was like, she's like, my therapist's like, what's new? I was like, well, my wife left. And (laughs) and she's like, my therapist immediately said, what did you do? You know, literally, she's like, mm. "What did you do?" Mm. Like, really? Yeah. You know? She's like, yeah. "What you do?" She's like, I know you. So I've been talking to you for almost three years. Like, I, I, I know you. She's like, when I, when I, when I don't talk to you for a few months, I know something's going on. So she had knew something's going on. So I told her, I asked her, like, how, like, how do I get my wife back? Like, what do I need to say? She's like, "You can't." She told me, "I can't." She's like, "You can't get her back." I was like, "Oh damn!" I'm like, wow. really? I'm like, that sucks, <laughs> you know. But she's like, let me rephrase. She's like, "You were a good talker. You were a good manipulator." You're like. You can and y'all have kids together, so you can probably use that to get her to come back home. But I'll promise you this: I can promise you this right here. If when she if she does come back and you really haven't put the work in, she'll just leave again, and this time she'll be gone for good. So I literally had to leave her alone. I, I really I didn't I didn't bomb her with messages or whatever. Yeah, I was upset. I started actually started reading the Bible and going back to therapy, reading the Bible, and I did a few other things just to kind of do some inner work, you know. And then a couple months after she had left, we got started in marriage counseling and then a couple weeks after after a couple of sessions of that she came back home so it was like she was gone for like three four months that time but i think it's just the fact that i, I was able to leave her alone you know what i mean i think it was the fact that she asked for space and i actually gave her space as opposed to trying to encroach upon it in, in, in fear that she would try to replace me with somebody else while doing this this time of space the thought crossed my mind just like well i'm free now i can go do what i want to do and of course they thought how i'm like yep to 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 deal with the shame of being left, you know, your wife moving out. Like, of course, I can go out here and try to get some other women to get them to come home. I'm like, that'll make me feel better, you know. But I remember going looking at myself in the mirror and like literally recording myself crying. I, I was just angry at myself, you know. Hmm. You know, like like you see in the movie, you see people talking yeah. to themselves in the mirror and in the reflection yeah. is kind of looking at them, not crying. It's just like <laughs> that's how I kind of felt in that situation right there. Like I was the this part of me was crying, but the other part of me, the narcissistic part of me, I'm like, well, that's what you get. You know, so I just made a commitment to myself right then and there that I was just going to find a healthy balance within myself. 
and just leave her be and just focus. Literally, the only thing I can do, and I, I tell these people every day, the only thing you can really control is yourself. So I just worked on controlling myself, how how I reacted, what I needed to do, you know. And then I just feel like that that consistency over time and me not even I didn't pressure her at all, you know, honestly, you know, me just me over time, just being consistent with my you know, I'm back in therapy. I didn't tell I was back in therapy, I just went, you know. Um yeah. And then I just did the marriage counsel and stuff like that. I, I did suggest that. And she could have said no. You know, actually, my therapist, like, when, like, just like two or three appointments in, she was like, I'm like, when should I su- suggest this? Like, I've, I've, it's been long enough. I feel like you can send this now. And I sent it. I sent it. I mailed her a letter because I knew she was at, you know, I wrote it down and I mailed it to her. And then she, she read it and then she agreed. We had to ch- sit down and, you know, had, <laughs> we had marriage counseling. And I think we did marriage counseling kind of like we're doing this right now. It was over Zoom because there's no inner office stuff. And she had moved out. Okay. So my plan was, and it was sound, it's going to sound manipulative. I was hoping that she would come home and we could do it together, but she didn't. Mm-hmm. She stayed where she was at and did it over Zoom. So I was sitting here, I was like, okay. You know, the marriage, marriage counseling session was literally just her talking trash. <laughs> and this is the thing, I think this is the point right here where I feel like it was kind of a defining moment in my journey. Like she was talking, she was, she really was talking junk, but it was like real. It wasn't, she wasn't making stuff up, you know, but I was writing stuff down to myself. I, like, I was going to attack every point that she was making. I was like, okay, I'm, she said this, I'm, I'm going to burn her up. When I get to, when I get to talk, I'm going to yeah, burn yeah, her up, yeah, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> but then it got to the point where she was finished and the therapist was like, and she was just like, what, what do you have to say about that type of stuff? I just bawled a list up. I was like, you know what? She's right. Hmm. Really? You know, I told her like, she's one hundred percent right. I've done that stuff, and I was gonna sit right. And I, I was being real. Like, I was gonna sit right here and, and blame her for everything that had happened to her. You know, but that's disingenuous. Like, if I blame her, she's not gonna come out. Why would she come out if I blame her? It's <laughs> just like if I sit here and just like you know blame her for literally every single thing that has happened in the marriage, then she's just gonna stay where she is. You know, so I was just like, yeah, it, it that's on me because I thought about it. Like, you know, it is on me. And I don't think that without my own personal therapy, I would be able to do that, you know, because the therapist, honestly, the therapist, marriage counselor didn't have a, didn't have any experience with personality disorders. She asked, she's like, are either of you in therapy right now? I was like, oh yeah, I've been clinically diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorder. She's like, <laughs> oh, okay. Next. She didn't care. She didn't know. That. I was like, oh, cool. You know? Hmm. No judgment. This is no judgment zone. Stigma free. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. Yeah. You know. <laughs> okay. yeah. But that's how I think just me being able to work on myself and just take just take in and, and really accept the the accountability of my part. I feel like that helped out a lot. You know, because I could literally I think she was expecting me to attack her because she, she was talking. And this was the reason why she didn't come home, because she expected me to attack her verbally on this thing. Thank you. Thank you my watch. She expected me to attack her verbally, you know, but I didn't. I yeah. literally I took it. I mean, I, the the way the story went, I was thinking as you were writing and you were ready to (laughs) burn her up, as you said, it was going to come. I mean, I, you know, I, I have some narcissists, they're not clinically diagnosed because they refuse to, you know, do the work, nor am I, you know, I, I don't have that accreditation to be able to do it, but through Things that you share on social media, which we'll get into a moment, in, into in a moment, and things that I've read up on, and my research, and my you know, uh, coaching, and and looking into mental wellness. I mean, that is a sure trait. It's like if you don't do it in that instant, 
and so tell me if I'm wrong here, since <laughs> I'm speaking to you firsthand on it. If, if you didn't do it in that moment, you may create the master comeback, the ultimate comeback at another time when she's doing well and everything's all right and everything feels great. And then you're like, you know what? That time in therapy, when you said this, 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 guess what? And then you just let out hellfire. <laughs> like, <laughs> is that, is that something you would have done in your past? Yeah, it would have been, it would absolutely been something, but it, it would have, it would have been something that she was doing in the moment that would have triggered that though. Mm, she would have did this. I see. And I would have been like, you know what? I could have brought that up in marriage counseling, but I didn't. I, I inspired you. Because you do a lot of stuff that gets to my nerves. I just let you have your space in the marriage counseling stuff. I would have just I, I would have just found a way to just bring it up in a general conversation to make it make it not seem like it's a malicious attack, but also being while simultaneously being in a malicious attack. Hmm. Tone. Yeah. Changes thing. I could yell and scream and say something, or I could say it in the calm demeanor. It still says the same thing, you know. With the yelling and the screaming, it seems like it carries a different message. It's a different message. But saying in the calm Absolutely. demeanor, like yeah, I could have said that in marriage. I should have said this is marriage counseling. Goes yeah. over differently. Like you know, I could have said that in marriage counseling, but I didn't. I spared you. It's a little bit more sinister, but some people operate like that. Some people operate more on the the covert side of things. But like I said, I, I just kind of mean like I said, just from being in the work I put in, put in. Over the last so many years, I, it just I'm just in a different spot, you know what I mean? But you know, I get a lot of people who just think, you know, he just doing, he just talking about the narcissist stuff because he wants to be popular. Like, if y'all think that my goal was to be a famous narcissist, like or popular narcissist, <laughs> I, I I don't know how you know that's a super delusional grandeur right there. Because like, I yeah. remember making my yeah. first TikTok video. I had a bigger TikTok account than my mental health one. I was like, I didn't need the, the mental health stuff. I, I was funny on my other account. It's, it's a lot of men who, who think I'm pandering to women because I talk about mental health. Mm. Oh, you're just trying to sleep with these women because you're, you're pandering right now. That's the type of stuff I get. I'm like, it's, it's amazing that y'all think I'm pandering when all I'm doing is talking about mental health. And, I, and I ne- I've never said that only men can be narcissists, you know? <laughs> I never ever said that. It's just a different yeah. dynamic online. Yeah. It is. I mean, it, that's that's a whole other conversation we can talk about. But you know, to your point of being online and your social platforms and what you've been doing to help people, I mean, it's effectively become your mis- mission. It's it's this drive that you have now, where you're you're coaching folks and you are looking for ways to help folks either recover from narcissistic abuse or, which I would love to see more of folks that do realize they have this personality disorder take the step that you have in, in, in terms of, of facing it and addressing it and, and looking how to be better uh, in the world. What, what clicked, again, for this next step of progression? I, I feel like you've had this beautiful progression over time, and now you're at this point where it's time to serve others in from what you've found, what you've dealt with, how you've lived, how you've seen what comes positively and negatively from it. What was that point of saying, I need to do this or I want to do this? So well, my like the first time my wife had left around February of like 2017, I had mm-hmm. joined some groups on Facebook for diagnosed narcissists or people who thought they had narcissistic traits or whatever. And I joined that group and they hit that group. That group did. It did help me out at first, you know. 
because of people who are people who got I feel like people were going through the same type of stuff that I was going through. You know, they felt the same type of way that I was feeling. I'm like, damn, I could have wrote, I could have wrote that post right there. It sounds just like me. It got to that point where I was like, man, this is a good group or whatever. But then as the group started to kind of grow and progress, people more people would join the group and they would be automatically like sad, like their life was over. You know, they would join the group and just like, oh my God, I'm diagnosed with narcissist personality. My life is over. Or they would come on a fake page or, or, or a burner account and just be like, sorry, guys, to the burner account. If my, my boss finds out I'm a narcissist, I'm a, I, they'll fire me. i like, what? Hmm. You know, just stuff like that. People post stuff like that. I was just like, it is kind of wildness that like I felt super alone when I first, even before I got diagnosed, I felt super alone because I didn't think people had the same mindset as I did or people didn't think the same way I did. So I started talking yeah. about it in the group. I was just like, what if he started like started doing some videos or talking about you know personality disorder that can help humanize or whatever you know? And people in the group are like, nobody's going to listen to that. Nobody's there. They'll de- they'll demonize you. Blah blah blah. You know. So I ended up leaving those groups for a little bit, and then I started my platform. I started my um, I started my like, little podcast, my little side podcast back in like July of what, 2019, and I started my TikTok account in May. And my wife came back in May. You know, so when she came back. I was still, I was on the way to therapy one day and I was just like, let me start this mental health account. I was just been, it's been on my heart. It's been on my heart to start the mental health stuff. Cause I just felt like, again, I felt like I was alone and TikTok was kind of, you know, it was, it's the easiest platform to blow up on. I was like, let me try to, let me, let me talk about this on TikTok. You know? Yeah. My very first TikTok just says that, you know, I'm on the way, I'm on the way to therapy and you know, Hey, my name is my first name is Devon. I was like, my name is Devon and I got a personality disorder. It's called narcissistic personality disorder. I'm on the way to therapy right now. You can go to therapy. You can get help. Use this platform is supposed to help more men get into therapy and feel like you're not alone. Go get help so you don't destroy yourself and destroy your family like I was doing. And that was May of 2020, May 19th of 2020 when I started doing that. You know, I just posted it on TikTok and I went over to my other platform, my other uh, account, and I came back and it, it was received. You know, it had mixed reviews, but it was, I would say overall it received on a positive note. But it's mo- it was mostly women. Like even now. Since I started my platform, it's always kind of been 90, 91% women. Oh, wow. Hmm. Yeah, 10% men. On, on certain on different platforms, it might vary a little bit, but it's kind of like, I was at 88, 87% women, you know, overall. But that's, you know, that's just the way it goes. The way it goes. But I just feel like even that, that low number, I was like, I was like, overall, I still got 200 some thousand men that follow me, which is, you know, which is cool, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think there's something interesting in the way of men in general narcissism or not yeah who deal with their things right who uh take and and seek out therapy like we know with men in therapy it's just like it's (laughs) like two rocks right it's just like (laughs) it that in itself and to add the layer of a of a narcissistic uh personality disorder that's a whole other ball game uh so firstly you know i'm truly as i hear this journey i commend you on on the work you've done because it's truly a road less traveled two times and then you add the layer of black men <laughs> and melanated men who don't you know you you they feel anxious they feel depressed they feel they have this disorder they have this or that and it's only like i think statistically it's like not not even it i don't know almost a little over a quarter of men out there even do the thing even go to seek help and you know, there's more women that do it than men do. So commendable for anyone who's going to do it. But, you know, any man that's listening, I, or watching, I implore you to 
take into account your story because I, I think your story is inspiring and you look from a societal standpoint, the, these layers where it's as a man, as a black man, as a black man with narcissistic personality disorder to still go and do the thing, you can do, go and do the thing. You are not alone. And hopefully these type of conversations let men feel like they can do it as opposed to the men who want to berate you on social media and the ones who, oh, you're pandering. Oh, you're, yeah, because you're afraid to look in the mirror and you are afraid to do the work. And I, I truly feel a lot of these folks that we see on social that go down those dark roads or use those burner accounts for evil and not for good. It's because they're hiding. They're hiding behind that thing. They don't want to do the work and they'll suffer in silence. That's why I feel like it's just like so big. Like I, I want to reach more men, but like there's a reason why I chose a woman therapist. Because I, you know, just yeah. societally, they say women are more in tune with their emotions. And I feel like that was yep. my biggest fault was my emotional connection. I was like, let me choose a woman. Let me talk to a woman. Because if like Maybe this is a, it's a sound ignorant. Like maybe she can teach me emotions, teach me how to feel emotions. Better. So that's, what I, that's what I was thinking. I was like, she can help me on this end of things, learn to exp- express my emotions better and whatnot. And she's, I mean, she she has it. It worked out for the best. But I just feel like if I, this is my mind, how it was conditioned back in the day. It was like, I feel like if I choose a man, we'll be just too, too much masculine energy, too much alpha. Just, I just feel like I wouldn't be able to connect. This is just my thoughts right there. But sometimes, I feel like a lot of the men that I do talk to when I'm doing my, my coaching stuff like that, that, that think that they are narcissists, they mm. don't want to go see a woman, a woman therapist because they think they're above them. I was like, and it's kind of, you know, that will get you caught up right there. It's just like, I don't want to talk about a woman about my emotions. They just do this. I'm like, you got to be open to receiving it from whoever, you know, the best source of it. But I mean, it could be a man. Who knows? You know? And, you know, to that, I, I would hope something that's caught on again and i hope it continues and i really truly hope it continues with men because it is something i'm a big fan of and that's journaling and you have this beautiful i love me uh self-love journal i i mean i love it and i love that it is a i love me uh uh with uh a space for positive affirmations and uh, being able to share, I really do hope it is something again where men find if if you don't want to be as expressive and open as you are uh, on social media or out in the open, don't suffer in silence. Write it out, let it out, and channel it on paper, pen and paper. Get those thoughts out, get them down on paper, and and have that. Use that as a space. If you can't, if you don't want to go to a therapist, and you have that shame, and I know shame is is a powerful thing that keeps us down. I mean, I I know you know because I know that's a big part shame of monster. this. <laughs> What'd you say? Yeah. I call it the shame monster. This is why shame monster because it is it is a monstrous detractor from your life if you allow it to control you. A lot of people run away from it because shame is like a, is literally like a voice that talks to you, that tells you, that consistently tells you that you're not good enough. And when things happen that, that go against you in life, it just reaffirms the shame. You see what I'm saying? But I've, yeah. what I've learned in therapy is just like the shame, it, it, it exists in everybody, but it doesn't have to be real. It doesn't have to be telling them, it doesn't tell the truth. Shame is a, shame is a liar. You know, they can just say, oh, you're not good enough. You're not, you, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. But like, it's a liar, you know, people lie, things lie. Yeah. So I, just, I feel like that's why I've conditioned my mind to believe that shame, you know, it exists, it's real. You have to acknowledge it, but it didn't, it doesn't necessarily tell you the truth. 
stuff. I feel like that's why I've gotten to the point now. We're just kind of absorbing it and just listening to it. And it's like being in therapy, being nervous to say something, but saying it anyway to just kind of fight the shame. It's kind of like you pull out, pulling out your sword and fighting shame, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, like a, sword, a sword fight. You're like, let's go. You know, <laughs> you just ballad in therapy, you know? <laughs> that's, what, that's what we're doing now. I just feel like also what you just said earlier about the journaling and stuff like that. It, it, that's absolutely true because. Even my therapist said this, like, if you bottle up any emotion, if you don't learn to express your emotions, even the good ones, if you put anything in a bottle and you put a top on it, you're going to suffocate and it's going to die. And sooner or later, that bottle's going to pop. And it's the emotion, it, when it dies, it turns to rage, no matter what it is. It could have been happiness. It could have been stifled happiness. It could have been stifled joy or something like that. But because you were you weren't good enough to express it or whatever. You it died and became rage. It can, you know the happiness you experience in the world. You let it die inside of you, and it's rage. It, it turns into rage that you take out on your family. So it's just like you know you have to learn a, a healthier express, a, a, find a healthier outlet for, it, as opposed to yelling and screaming and beating on your chest or whatever you whatever you do to let your rage out. You know, find a healthier outlet. Yeah. I love that. I love that. You know, that brings me to something that I love asking all men that come on this show is what do you do on a daily basis, whether it is to address that shame or just to have yourself set up for for success, you know, from a from a wellness perspective, from a progress perspective. What is a you know a typical day of wellness look like for Lee, whether it's mind, body, and or soul? Like what's your approach to keep your mind right, keep yourself focused, keep yourself on, again, this beautiful journey that you've been on so far. Yeah. So so typically when I get up in the morning, if I'm not doing a coaching call, I try to get up, you know, pray or do just do some do some kind of meditation or something like that. I'm always one of the things I got used to doing a lot was Tony, Tony Robbins has this thing called priming that he has a video on yeah. YouTube, like Tony Robbins priming. I used to do that all the time. We sitting there. Breathing it, get waking up in the morning and stuff like that, because yeah, I do the work. I do the working out and stuff like that. But the working out comes easy. But like working out doesn't always release the stress because sometimes we working out, all you're thinking about is the stress. <laughs> you know, is the stress. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. Sometimes you working out, all you think about is the stress. So I just like meditate. What I've done because it's hard. It's very very hard for me to meditate because my thoughts are just everywhere. So what I've done, started doing now is getting into a meditative position and do what I call mm. like free thinking, like free thinking. It's just like I look where I let my thoughts flow. I don't hold anything back. I just get into the meditative state. You, know, you focus on your breath. And you just think think all the thoughts. Like, don't hold anything back. Because I feel like a lot of times what people are doing is going going around living this restrictive lifestyle in their heads where you're just restricting mm-hmm. a lot of thoughts. They're going to come out sooner or later. Because I said, you just, I'm, once I thank them, I was like, it's funny. I'll be sitting there laughing at the stupid stuff I think of. And I was like, that's so stupid. Yeah. But it's it's out. I just feel like it's it's flowing. I just feel like, and I think it's some good ideas too. That I'm doing. I'm like, oh, I didn't. It's a video right there, you know. So yeah, yeah. I feel like I get a lot of ideas from doing that that type of stuff right there. So I just feel like the the free thinking helps me because I can't. It's hard for me to meditate, you know. So I I've learned how to do like the free thinking and letting that flow. And I do like the, I do the gym and things like that. I just feel like I do a lot of the a lot of that different stuff. So I listen to a, a good audio book here and there. Right now I'm reading um Psychopath Free. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> Reading a lot of different books. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. I appreciate it. Um, Lee, this has been a fantastic conversation like I knew it would. Um, always could go deeper on this, but uh, for another time, is, is there anything that you 
have come on, coming up? Any projects you have coming up? Anything you want to shout out and let the good people know that that you have out there or coming out there? So I'm right. So right now I'm in the works of my uh, like my own like my, my own personal book called The Narcissist Code, which is I'm working on writing. I'm doing a big chunk of it tomorrow, actually. Um, I'm working on that right now. Um, I'm expanding my own podcast to do more and have guests on and things of that nature. Uh, here soon, I just got to get it set up. I'm, my schedule, like I said, my schedule bounces around so much, like daughter here now. Um, trying to find a healthy balance, balance for that. Like I said, I'm just working on right now, expanding my YouTube channel to have more interviews and go live more as well. So you know, yeah, you can find me everywhere at uh, at mental illness. So you just look up Lee Hammock. It typically pops up off of that now. Okay, I love it. Good people, you heard it from Lee. Um, and men and women get that. I love me self love journal. I truly feel like it should be part of your arsenal. It's helped me. Clearly, it's helped this gentleman right here. So, do the thing. Get those get those thoughts flowing. Get that release. And Lee, again, I I truly appreciate you. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for being so open so vulnerable, so honest. And I, I, I truly hope you know at least one person gets affected in a positive way from our conversation today. So I, I thank you again, Lee. Thank you for having me on. Like I said, I hope, hope this reaches the right people. Absolutely. Man to Man fam, as always, don't forget to tell another brother, king or queen about Man to Man so we can keep this wellness revolution going. Plus, if you like what you're hearing, like today, give us those five stars and leave a review. And you can always connect with me on Instagram at Waziki, W-A-S-I-C-K-I. Till next week, peace, love, and go love yourself. Love yourself.